You're listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? <laughs> Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardians. Hi, welcome to this week's Retro Guardians. I'm Ben. I'm Jay, and welcome. I thought this week, Joe, we'd stay on the trend that we've done for the last couple of uh, shows with a 90s themed film. Mm. So I thought we'd go with one of my favourite early 90s films from Stallone, Cliffhanger. Yep. Um, Good one. Yeah, it is. It actually is one of the few of his films of that period that holds up very well. I think it still does. Yeah. And the other one would be Demolition Man. Yep, yep. So anyway, at the time, Stallone had a very good deal going on with uh, Carol Co. And they had produced uh, the all the um, the Rambo films up to that point. And they'd also, I think, done lock-up with him as well. And they were doing big bucks with the action adventure movies of that period, including with Schwarzenegger as well. And I think they'd just done Universal Soldier with Van Damme and Lundgren. So they went back to Stallone and they said he wanted to do something with this. And Rennie Harlan had just before this done, I think, Die Hard 2. And he wanted to work with Rennie, so... They came up with um, Cliffhanger. Hmm. Let's say, and, and we just watched this today, and we watched it on VHS, the old original 90s tape itself. And I'm still not, I haven't watched too many of them in the last few years, so to hear the sound of the tape while it's playing as well is still a funny experience again after so long. Yeah, whirring and buzzing, and, and actually you even made a comment when you put your phone near the old um, TV Making the old... Eh, 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 eh. Yes, which I haven't heard in a long time. Digital interference, we all remember that. That was a fun experience, mm. first times. So, Cliffhanger, 1993? It's 30 years old this year. Yep. And for some of us, it feels longer. And starring... It had an interesting cast. Um, Sylvester Stallone. Michael Rooker. Yep. John Lithgow. Yes, I was surprised to see John in this. I don't think he'd done many non-drama comedy no. roles at this point. He'd mainly been in drama. That's where mm. I knew him from, and comedy. So Harry and the Hendersons, I think, was 87 or something yep. around that period. So, you know, I'd seen him in those and a couple other little ones here and there. And then this film was a really big push for him because it sort of put him up into the bigger stratosphere again with, okay, this guy can play bad guys. Mm. It also featured... Uh, his name is coming to me in a second. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway. Oh, Paul Winfield. Sorry, sorry, Paul Winfield. Paul Winfield had been in the first Terminator. Mm-hmm. And Paul's got one of those voices that once you hear it, you know it's him kind of guy. Yep. And he plays uh, the Treasury boss. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. So the film opens with a tragedy. Uh, a lady is killed in an accident while trying to get across adjacent cliffs, mm. peaks to an, a helicopter and her harness snaps. Yep. And Stallone tries to go out to grab her, but she's wearing gloves and she slips out of the gloves. Yes. And it's pretty traumatic. Now, 
as we were watching this film, I said to Jay, they really did not hold back back then with no. some of the, the is it brutality? Would yeah, it? it was a lot of brutality, but not sort of horror brutality and not, necessarily, uh, but exploitation. Yeah, kind of brutality. It's real. You actually feel some of the the the, the, the violence in this one. Um, I don't think he did much of that again until really getting back to Rambo in the early late two thousands. But some of these other films weren't as, as sort of brutal as they, they that was particularly. Um, but the nineties was still sort of coming off the eighties with that. It didn't tone down till too much later. Mm. Um, only a few people like Tarantino and that still sort of stick to that their guns when it comes to that. So yeah, that that opening scene we're just saying it's been it's spoofed a few times in a few films, including Ace Ventura and Nature Calls, and I remember Spy Heart actually doing it as well. And that's a very famous one that they always sort of bring up was the opening for that. Mm. So it was directed by Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan had directed just before this Die Hard 2. And he'd actually done The Adventures of Ford Phelan with Andrew Dice Clay, which was a completely different film to these. Yeah. And he really got his big push from directing the fourth Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Master, which at the time was the most... It brought in the most money of the Nightmare films of that time period. So it definitely got him up into the, the majors after that. Um, and with Die Hard especially being a big success, the sequel, he got to do this film, and um, Stallone really wanted him for this. I do know it was Stallone that really wanted him to direct this film. This film is filled with a lot of character actors. Once again, the big actors know to fill their the the scenes with well-known, established actors and ones that can act. And, I mean, it did have a few up-and-comers in it. Um, we were just mentioning earlier, as you said in the credits, who's Leon, and I explained he was yeah. a rapper, Slash artist. Most people would remember him as um, the lead in Cool Runnings. Yeah, and it was credited just as Leon. Didn't have a surname, but I've just since found it's Leon Robinson. <clears throat> he was also um, in... Oz, the uh, show Oz. Okay, yep. I remember and, that. Um, there was a basketball drama, Above the Rim. And yes, he, that's the other one he's been yeah. famous for. Hmm. Janie, Janie Turner, that's who I was trying to think of, who plays the love interest to Stallone. She was in the show at the time, Northern Exposure, which was a very popular show. I think it just ended. It had gone for four seasons and sort of well-known little sort of out-the-remote kind of show that was very popular at the time. Um, one of the main Treasury guys is a guy that played by Rex Lynn. Rex was also in Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes, which I was just saying to Jay that we saw that together when it first came out. And he was also in Rush Hour with Jackie mm-hmm. Chan and Chris Tucker. But most people now would remember him as the principal in the Young Sheldon show at the moment. So he's still bobbing around. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the other bad guys. I'm just trying to... So Caroline Goodall, she plays the main bad guys, sort of accomplice pilot slash love interest as well. And she's uh, English-Australian. I remember her doing a couple of films over in the late 90s in Australia, but she was sort of surprised to hear that accent in the movie. And then I think it was, what was that gentleman's name? The, there was a lovely guy who played uh, R- Ralph Wade. Ralph did a lot of television. I remember him in a lot of westerns, and he was in the original Roots and that. And he plays mm. the rather park ranger that works with... Um, Stallone and Jenny and uh, Michael Rooker. And he plays a warm guy. You know this is a genuine guy that if you're in trouble, he'd come out and help you. And he has a very good scene where they've, they've tried to kill two kids that witness them and one of them is killed and the other gets away mm. and parachutes and he comes and saves the kid from wolves. And as Jay was just saying, that was sort of a hard scene even at that time period to see. And um, 
it, the whole, not the whole film, but the majority of this film was actually made in Italy up in the Dolomite Mountains. And I was just saying to Jay, especially with the Lira back then, they would have got a lot of for their money. And I mean, it was a $70 million budget, but it looks like it was made for over $100 million. And that's why like, being able to film in a location like that, where it saves them a lot of time and trouble mm-hmm. that way. And I know Stallone later made, I think the f- a year or two later, I think three years actually, he made D- Daylight in Italy as well. And I think the same thing happened there. They were able to save a lot of money by doing that. So Carol Co originally signed to be opposite in another comedy kind of film they were going to do with him, but it didn't work in the end. But they still had him signed, so they wanted him to do something else with them, and that's how Cliffhanger came along. And they were looking at everyone who was hot at the time. I think they even were trying to grab people like Ridley Scott and even Roland Emmerich, who had just finished uh, uh, Universal Soldier. And uh, they went to a lot of people before uh, Stallone and that was uh, trying to get another film made with Rennie Harlan. And he said, well, I'll get Rennie to do this. And then, like I said, at the time, Rennie was hot stuff. So, yeah, it was a, a Carolco that that time period, man, they were on fire. Man, they were just going from one hit movie to the other. They follow the following year they did Stargate with Kurt Russell under Roland Emmerich. They also did Basic Instinct in that time period. So they were going from strength to strength to strength. Unfortunately, the next film they did with Rennie Harlan didn't help matters and they did uh, Cutthroat Island, which is a very big overblown production and it's pretty much sent Carolco down to where all those other unforgotten companies go after they've made one bomb after another. And the sad thing is, if they had survived this, they would have produced Independence Day and Titanic next, which they would never have to look back about money ever again, which is a shame. But going back to what Jay and I were talking about earlier, this film plays more to the thriller aspect that I don't think some of Stallone's movies at that point had done many of them, Jay. Uh, he'd done more action, straight action films. This is more thriller, and it worked that way. You've got the suspense of being on, you know, the cliffs. You've got the suspense of the rock climbing stuff. You've got an environment that's a lot more hostile. Mm. I mean, we've seen him in the jungle and the forest, obviously, but we'd never seen him on sort of a higher altitude kind of situation. Mm. Now, Stallone himself is afraid of heights. So I do know he did use a lot of good stunt doubles for certain scenes, but there is a few scenes where we know it is actually him. I'm just amazed that he was able to get out and do it. It was interesting how it was a mix, like the whole treasury part with, you know, this money and a plane transporting the cash and a hijack to be thrown into a movie about the, you know, a cliffhanger um, climbing rocky mountains in the middle of the outback. It was just a real contrast and not something I would have expected to be part of the plot. So just a quick uh, rundown. Um... An accident happens. Uh, we we see a lady die who's the uh, girlfriend of one of the other main characters, played by Michael Rooker. A year goes by. While he comes back, we also see the Treasury uh, about to send a money shipment across mm. and it gets hijacked in midair and it's a really elaborate, very interesting way to do that. Once again, we've just done a talk about executive decisions about how you sort of um, bank with the same plane at the same time, sort of in midair. And this did it very differently. But it definitely works on that, that level that, like, you, you're sort of tense, you're white knuckles, you know, in that environment kind of nothing can go wrong. And, of course, something does go wrong that they don't plan for. As a result, they lose the money and it, it falls into the mountains. And that's why mm. they're out in the mountains trying to find it. Yeah, They put in a fake call for help and that's when... 
um, the Tucker and Walker, played by but Rooker and Stallone. Stallone gets pushed by his girlfriend to go up and, and make it up, and he does. And they're pretty much forced into finding these money locations, which they do know where they are. Mm. And they um, decide, you know, to... So we don't need two, we just need one. And Stallone's able to get the better of them and just keep ahead of them enough that yep. they're able to sort of get to the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. As a very interesting... Um, Sort of would dispatching be the right word, Jay, when yeah. it comes to the villains? Yeah, yeah. And that was that period of the '90s, also come off the '80s, that you always had memorable ways. And there was a good memorable band of bad guys, which mm. the '90s I think did so well. There was a lot of those kind of films like that. But no, it, it for the environment and the setting, as well as the sort of like you said about the plot and that. That's what makes this film still stand out. And to be honest, there's not a lot of CG in this movie, especially in that time period. No, it's just the old stunts, really. You and know. models and a few yeah. scenes like that. There's you can tell in a couple of sequences it sets. Mm. Most of it it was actually on location, but there's a couple of sequences you know it's a set. And I do believe they filmed that in, in Italy as well. And there's a couple other moments too with with the music and that that's really well done. Yeah, yeah. Adds to the drama. Um, good humor. That has a good humorous couple of moments, and the humor doesn't overtake it and turn it from being a, a straight movie to a silly movie. It doesn't do that, which works really well. Mm. Um, there's some really high high flying kind of scenes with the stunts. Yeah, they were, wasn't the, they? The propelling the, scene. Yeah, the money transfer between two planes and the. Um... Uh, the rescue at the very start. There's a scene in with the planes where a stuntman actually travels between the two planes on a... It's like a guy wire sort fly, of thing. Flying Fox yeah. sort of setup. Yeah, yeah. And it was played by stuntman Simon Crane who worked on a lot of the Bond films and he also worked on as a stunt coordinator on mm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He got paid a million dollars to do that scene and I heard Stallone in a talk not too long ago say he thinks he got underpaid for that scene. So that's definitely one of those scenes that everyone remembers because it was real. There's no CGI, there is no green screen, there's no forced perspective. Mm. It is all real. And they do say that the doubles filled in for Stallone on most of the climbing scenes due to his fear of heights, which is interesting. Um, and apparently um, he he injured himself, his hand, which yeah. was uh, on one of the cliffs. Which but was someone said it was location and stage. someone else turned around and said, no, it was the stage. Yeah. So I think I know which sequence that was, oh, the okay. one we were talking about earlier. Um, the, the other thing... Um, you know, I think you mentioned like some of the stunts were sort of pretty full on. Um, There's a director's cut that Stallone was talking about and said that it was met with a lot of, you know, dissatisfaction because the stunts they were doing, they were just blowing like way out of reality. Stallone so, is a big tickler about screenings for audiences. He's a big thing about that. Mm. He's one that likes to be keep a movie down to 90 minutes. He's yeah, always said that. He's saying that what they were making him do in the director's cut is showing him jumping... You know, 300 feet across a gorge no. where an average person can only jump sort of 12 feet. So he's saying these stunts were just so preposterous. No it way sort of made the director's cut a little bit, you yeah. know, crazy. It's sort of taking you away from the moment more. Yeah, because you're going, oh, that's not real. That's yeah, not real. That's, that's right. Impossible. So if you... And the one thing about these kind of films is you've got to have the ordinary people in these movies. You've got to make it believable. Yeah, you got, that's why I like 
the sort of diehard sense but, of blue collar, and yeah. he is that in this movie. And there's yeah. a lot of things in this movie that are not believable; they're just so far fetched. But you let it go because the other stuff is more believable. Yeah, you're not watching it for a believable film. No, no, no. I did love the. There is a car, a plane crash involving the the planes when they're um. Yeah. And the uh, the model work in that sequence it was is a really pretty cool. Crash actually. Yeah, the model work was fantastic. Yep. It was still models back then. Mm. I forgot to mention that on an earlier film uh, review of Executive Decision. It's similar. They use models for certain scenes back then, still mm. just to save money and time, and it works. I mean, some of those films now I think hold up because it's still model work and not CG. If you see too much CG nowadays, even now from the nineties, you're like, oh god, that doesn't work anymore. Mm. It's so dated instantly. And that film. That's why Cliffhanger is not as dated as bad as some of the others because they did use a lot of practical stuff as much as possible yeah um on to a bit of the response for this film the critical response there's a couple of things the rock climbing magazine were a bit um upset that they had the um fictional gun that fires the pittons directly into the rock it and can't do were, direct rock like that, no. and there's another way so of doing like, it this I know is that. unrealistic yeah. yeah and we've touched on that this film does have unrealistic proportions in it you've just got to suck it up um the funny thing was it was also nominated for worst picture worst supporting actor john lithgow and worst supporting actress janine turner which was, was at the that Razzies? was at the 14th yeah Raz- raspberry awards yeah raspberries yeah um, Razzies. yeah and uh that was funny but because people were saying oh lithgow's performance he was a bit inauthentic uh with his fake accent english it was accent. The accent that's right yeah but you know that's funny and but having said that um it was also nominated for a number of Academy Awards. Three of them. Yeah, I yeah. did know that, yes. Um, I don't think it got any, did it? No. no, sadly, because it came out the same time as Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park, and it grabbed everything at that yeah. time period. So the overall sort of Rotten Tomato score was about 67%, which, look, isn't that's, too bad. No, that's not a bad thing. If it's With yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, I if it's under 30, I'm a bit A-oning, on yeah. on, but... Over 60, that's fine. I don't yeah, have a problem with, with that. with an average rating of about 6.2 out of 10. Yeah. So if I were to put a score on it, I would actually give it a 6. I'd give it a 7. Yeah. i give it just a little bit more ahead of that. But like I said, this and Demolition Man, I think, were the best ones he did of that early 90s period. I do like Copland, which he did later, mm. but he sort of that was more like a Western in modern times. And look, it pulled 255 mil so from a 70 a mil budget, so yeah. it made money. Like I said, Caraco at that period of time was still hitting them out of the park, and that's yep. why they were able to make so many independent action movies. What that happened period. to that company? Like I said, they made the film Cutthroat Island with... Um, Rennie Harlan, that, that pretty That's much put it? them under. What happened was it ballooned from something like 70 million to 150. So did they go completely broke yeah, or did, did they get bought out by something? No, they, they went completely bust. Oh, bummer. They managed to retain the Terminator rights. That was the only thing. They mm. produced Terminator 2. That was the other one I was trying to think of that they produced as well. Mm. And that really put him up in the stratosphere for a while there. Yeah. But they had worked on so many films. You know, They even did thrillers and that, like Angel Heart as well, was another mm. one they were involved with. And it was Mario Casar and Andy Vanya. And then when they split because of that, Andy formed another company called Synergy and they helped produce Die Hard with a Vengeance, which helped bring him back a little bit. Because it made a bit of money back, yeah. but Mario plotted around for a while still in the early two thousand that too, and they even produced movies like Chaplin. I mean, they tried to, to, to branch out and do dramas and that too there for a while. Mm. So I mean, they tried, but yeah, these guys were the guys that put the money together to help to, to do yeah. First Blood, and then that pretty much put them up there for at least fourteen years. 
that they were sort of the kings of Hollywood. And I think I even remember hearing Dolph Lundgren say about Mario going, he was the king because he had all the best directors. He had all the big actors, Stallone and Arnold specifically. I do know they... Arnold was the one that asked them to buy the rights to get Total Recall made, and they did, and that made them another little mini fortune too. It was the same. I think it made over $250 million worldwide. Mm. So, I mean, they weren't doing duds, so to speak, but yeah. just it caught up to them. That's yeah. what I think happened. You think you can do everything, and then sooner or later you try something a bit more out of your reach, and then look what happens. Yeah. But um, that is what it is. All right, Ben. Do you recommend? Yeah, I do recommend. This is definitely one that... You haven't seen it? If you yep. haven't seen it, it's definitely one of his better ones of that period. And I think it was one of his peak periods too. Like mm. I said, the next couple of years, he did this, Demolition Man and Dread, pretty much almost back to back. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to leave you with the trailer for Cliffhanger. So have a listen, see what you reckon. Hope you enjoy. Yep. And um, stay tuned. And I highly recommend you to check this film out. Everyone have a good one. See ya. Bye. Bye. Please, please, I don't want to die. You're not going to die. Don't let me fall. Matheson has been transferred from the Denver office to Frisco, and as a professional courtesy between offices, I was asked if he could hitch a ride. Got plenty of room. Be glad to accommodate you. We just got an emergency call. Five climbers just ran off Combe Bluff. I haven't climbed in months. You just lose the feel. Maybe you mean the nerve. Where's the helicopter? What the hell's going on? What are your names? Tucker and Walker. Well, Tucker and Walker, we're missing three bags. What's in them? None of your fucking business! Fudge! Where is the money? Retro Guardians.